Welcome to the Mortgage Vault podcast hosted by Voltage. Voltage is a mortgage automation company that helps mortgage lenders and servicers reduce the time and cost to close and board mortgages. Mortgage Vault podcast is for mortgage industry professionals who want to stay ahead of the curve. Every week you will hear from experts, thought leaders and legends on what's next in the mortgage industry. All of this with just one goal in mind that you stay on top of your game. So, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Mortgage Vault. Hey everybody, it's Sanat, marketing head at Voltage and your host today. Voltage is a mortgage automation software that helps you produce and service more loans doing less work. Welcome to Mortgage Vault podcast. A very good morning, good afternoon and good evening to all our listeners. Over the past few weeks, we have been talking about mortgage interest rates, dwindling housing supply and growing competition in the mortgage lending space. So what should lenders do to rise above the noise and stay relevant with their customers? That's precisely what we're going to talk about today. We are back with one more episode and one more special guest. We're really excited to welcome Craig Strent, CEO at Apex Home Loans. Craig is a first-generation entrepreneur who co-founded Apex Home Loans in 1998. And very interestingly, Apex Home Loans helped 1,200 plus families purchase their first home in 2020. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Craig. Thank you so much, Sanat. It's a pleasure to join you today. Great. It's really amazing to have you on our podcast, Craig. So when I was researching about Apex Home Loans, right, I, I came across something very interesting. Apex Home Loans believes in providing a better borrower experience for the customers. So in this context, can you talk to us a bit about the company, the co-product offerings, and how do you ensure that better borrower experience for your customers? Sure thing. Apex Home Loans is a regional independent mortgage banker. And since day one, when we started the company in 1998, we just had always felt there was a better way to do things. And we felt that a better borrower experience would result in lower cost of production long term, significantly more loyal customers, repeat and referral business, building our firm for the long time. I was only 25 at that point. So I figured if I could make customers for life back then, it would it would serve me really well. And of course, enjoying the business more. Because when you're dealing with the relationship-based business, the people that come to you time and again and refer their friends, it's just a much more enjoyable way to do business versus working off of rate charts and commoditizing yourself and your practice in a race to the bottom. So we focused on a better borrower experience up front. That was the basis of our of our model all along. And to this day, it, it still is. And we've up-leveled it on so many different, different planes over the years. And I'll, of course, be happy to talk to you more about that as we go here. Sounds great. Sounds great. And I suppose that this very approach has helped you serve over 1,200 plus families, which I just mentioned, right, uh, to make the first home purchase in 2020. So from that point of view, like, what are some of the key points on which borrowers get convinced on whether to go ahead with a particular bank or institution or not? Yeah. So one of the things you can use, of course, for measuring uh, borrower experience uh, and customer experience, which many S&P 500 companies use, is net promoter score. There's a very famous book called The Ultimate Question that talks all about net promoter score. And it's something that we dove into many years ago. We not only track net promoter score as a company uh, on a global level, but we track it by our branch. And then we even track it by individual salespeople, loan officers as well. And you know what you incent, you encourage 
encourage and what you make public, people are aware of and they improve on. And so by regularly publicly hosting these numbers, both internally and externally, our salespeople are really focused on delivering a better customer experience. And we found that there's a number of factors that really make a huge bit of difference. And basically what we've come up with is that setting expectations very clearly upfront really demonstrates your competence uh, with a potential prospect and competence with the prospect showing them upfront your competence leads them to develop confidence in you and your practice and a comfort level to move forward. So setting that expectation upfront, letting them know exactly what we offer, who we are and who we are not. And that's really important upfront to get moving past people that might never choose you. You know, there's only about studies show historically about a 15 to 25% of people choose exclusively on the basis of rate. And if you can figure out who those folks are up front, you could save them time and you time uh, if you're not the, the low-cost leader and, and, and a race to the bottom. If that's all they're looking for, then perhaps there are better options, and that best serves them, and that best serves you. So in terms of the upfront piece, as you said, presenting incredibly professionally, using professional presentation software to take a relationship-based approach, to take a comprehensive mortgage planning approach. So not just saying, Here's the rates, here's the points, here's the closing costs. But hey, does it really make sense for you to have a 15-year fix versus a 30? Should you really be putting 50% down versus 20% down? Let's take a look at the whole picture here. Let's make sure you're paying for college, uh, taking advantage of your employer-sponsored retirement plan. You have the right insurance policy in place. Let's make sure all those things are correct because the mortgage is basically your liability side of the balance sheet. But let's make sure that you're funding all the asset side as well to make sure that this mortgage fits within the context of your financial plan. Got it. So what I understand is that two major points have been key to your NPS score. I think it's around 96, if I'm not wrong, which I checked on a website. Uh, so, so one of them is setting clear expectations with the customers. And secondly, has been you know, uh, taking a consultative approach and helping them through and through to the entire loan disbursement process. So, uh, you know, taking this question one step forward, right? As you mentioned that customer experience has been uh, one of the key focus areas for you and the company. So what are some of the initiatives that you're spearheading to ensure that Apex Home Loans stays ahead of the competition in terms of NPS score? Yeah, proactive milestone updates and communication is the most important thing that we've put into place and continue to do. So we put tools in front of folks, one, uh, just throughout the process. So we're always notifying people of what the status is before they even think they need to know it. So we're delivering information at critical points through the process that they don't even yet know that they need to know. And those generally follow a basic formula. One, here's what's going on. Two, Here's what you have to do as a result. And three, here's what happens next. And then at the bottom of that, there's always a check-in. You know, you've seen the little smiley faces. There's the three smiley faces. Let us know how we're doing. So a constant check-in and a mechanism for course correcting. And those emails, good, bad, or otherwise, those check-ins go directly to our chief experience officer who can quickly act and help train and respond if there is a problem and it needs to be course corrected before closing. So those were initiatives that were in place for a while. We continue to improve on the templates, the scripting, the mechanism for which we sent them and the timeliness. We also hit people with what are called 
milestone gifts throughout the process. So little items of gratitude throughout the process that make things just easier. For example, just little items that would help you when you're moving. Hey, you're moving. You got to pack up the house. Here are some things that might be helpful to you. Wow. And those just... Those just show up as a surprise, whether it's a Sharpie or a box cutter or a label or, you know, just things that you don't have to deal with. So we try to anticipate the need of the customer. We believe that if somebody is calling us and saying, what's the status, what's going on, that's a failure on our part. It's also not good for time management. It's much better for time management to communicate proactively than reactively. So we believe in that. We put those systems in place to do that. Wow. Sounds great. To be very honest. Right now, after listening to you, maybe I am also wondering to maybe, you know, apply for a loan with you because of, of those surprise gifts. I mean, really, that's that's very thoughtful. So now, you know, I would like to take your view on something slightly different. What's your take on racial equity in home ownership, right? Because, you know, racial equity is getting a lot of steam in, in mainstream media and discussions. So, so what's your take on that and how important is it for Apex Home Loans? The racial equity gap in home ownership is 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 concerning. It's disconcerting, and you know we see a much higher incidence. All the, the stats out there show a higher incidence of of white over non-white home ownership. And given that home equity is frequently the largest asset on an individual's uh, own balance sheet, uh, we need to narrow this gap uh, down across the U.S. to help more non-white families uh, build wealth. The good news is that non-white home buying, particularly in the Hispanic community, is on the rise. And new household formations by Hispanics are expected to skyrocket in the coming years. To be the majority actually be by 2040. So we can support these types of first-time home purchases in a number of ways as an industry. First of all, we need to establish better alternate credit reporting so that things like car insurance and cell phone bills and rent and all of these things are uh, accounted for when determining credit qualification. We need some more flexible income documentation and calculation guidelines for gig workers. And we need changes in, in residency guidelines so that you know folks that are dreamers and, and in those types of statuses are able to purchase homes as well. Wow, sounds good. And I think that sounds really robust in, in terms of, I would say, model guidelines for the regulators to take up. I'd like to take your view on the interest rates. Like right now, we are seeing a gradual increase in the 30-year fixed interest rates. It's hovering around 3.04% for purchase loans and around 3.22% for refinance loans. But I believe that they've dropped a bit. Uh, However, everything's said and done there in the upper circuit. So in the context of this, how do you see home ownership trend shaping up this year? Well, the thing that that mortgage bonds and interest rates hate the most is inflation. So the the number one thing that can hurt in terms of rates rising would be inflationary fears. We've still got a tremendous amount of federal government back buying going on. If that were to abate, we could start to see some changes in rates as well. But I'm not particularly concerned on the homeownership buying side with rates. And refinance, of course, will go away quicker as rates rise. But in terms of home ownership, we're still in that really meaty part of the millennial generation where they're turning into their low to mid 30s and they're having their second child. And that's a great indicator oftentimes of when you make that move. Obviously, it was accelerated by COVID and the desire to have more space for, for the kids and the pets and all that kind of thing. But we also have a very limited amount of inventory across the country. And so as we see inventory more and more come online, hopefully with COVID abating, some sellers will be more comfortable allowing people to come through their home. And we might see more inventory come online. The demand is still there. There's pent up demand. 
rates are, even if they rise significantly, they're still low historically. So I don't see higher rates being a huge impediment in terms of slowing down the home buying market. You might have less people bidding on every single home and the rate of appreciation might drop, but in terms of the demand, it will still be significant for the time coming based on uh, demographics in the country. Got it. Got it. So you believe that the rising interest rates will not have that much of an impact as far as purchase originations are concerned? Yeah. Uh, in terms of home purchase, particularly, you know, obviously first time home buyers and the affordability factor is still there. When you look at rent versus owning, generally speaking, this significantly better on the ownership side. So as inventory frees up, even if rates rise a little bit, I think you're still going to see significant demand. Got it. So on that note, we will take a short break. And we'll be right back after the break. There's a lot more to come on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Voltage. Voltage is an AI-driven mortgage automation software that has helped leading mortgage companies reduce their document processing time and cost by more than 50%. To learn more, visit us at www.voltage.com. Welcome back. We are in conversation with Craig Strent, CEO at Apex Home Loans. So Craig, before we went on a break, we discussed about the impact of interest rates on home ownership. And you said that the purchase originations, the purchase home ownership is not going to get that much impacted. Now I would like to take your view on COVID vaccinations and the gradual reopenings. What impact do you think they will have on home ownership? Yeah, you know, I alluded before the break to the fact that I think sellers will obviously become more comfortable with people coming through their homes uh, post-COVID here and knowing that folks are vaccinated. So uh, I do believe we'll see additional inventory. Sellers who have been holding out, one, because they weren't comfortable people coming through their home. Two, they didn't want to move themselves. They're going to see that the market is very much uh, heated up, that there are uh, strong demand. So anybody thinking about selling, particularly those downsizing because they can cash out and then move down versus those um, that are moving up, particularly downsizing those in the baby boomer generation. I think we're going to see more inventory coming online as a result of the, the vaccinations and things opening back up. What's what's unknown is the trend in population. You know, we've seen such a trend away from urban centers with remote work and into other second tier cities that are just blowing up in terms of purchase prices. You look at the suburbs outside of Nashville, you look at Bozeman, Montana, and some of these other places where it's just you know, there's never been a market this hot in those places. So whether or not that trend will continue will depend on whether or not corporations allow and just companies in general allow for full-time remote work. If they do, we may still see this push away from the urban centers. The, the flip side of that is now that it's a lot safer to be in dense populations, will we see people return to the cities? Some major cities have seen prices finally abate a little bit, even drop. Will folks take advantage of that and try to pick up properties within the urban centers and, and come back in? So I'm not a realtor. I'm not a real estate expert. I'm a mortgage uh, mortgage expert. So I can't tell you what people are going to do in terms of their home ownership. But what I can say, again, is point back to the demographics, which show that the millennial population is really in that prime time to buy their first homes without building their family. So when I think about that, I think about generally people moving away from the urban centers to do that. Got it. Got it. So in the light of this particular trend that we just talked about, you know, what are some of the key areas for you 
in terms of you know focus areas for you this year to ensure business growth yeah there's there's a couple of things that that can be done here for business growth first of all there's the what we call the laggards right the refi laggards the opposite side of the early adopters these are the people that just never got around to refinancing there's still a very significant population of those folks so certainly using the proper database management to identify those folks continue to follow up with them show them the savings and pull those refis uh, down before it's too late then you've got folks that, you know, we've got record home equity as a result of home price appreciation. So, and a lot of folks just don't want to move. It's a big pain to move. And there's a lot of home equity, but people want to do things with it. So there's a huge opportunity for cash out refinances to uh, improve the property where you are already. And of course, we're seeing huge trends in that. We've seen lumber prices triple. We've seen home improvement contracts are, are on backlog. Home builders can't keep up. So everybody is doing, everybody I talk to is doing some kind of improvement around the house. And I think that trend is absolutely going to continue as well. And I think a lot more people this year are going to tap into their home equity to help finance some of those improvements. So you've got that. Continued focus on borrower retention, your existing customers who do decide now that they want to move up and move out into better places that they can cash out and move into a new home. And of course, the most important piece is the first time home buyers. You want to get to the first time home buyers first. So we'll continue to do things to stay in front of those first time home buyers, you know, social media being where they are, doing what they're doing, sponsoring the things that they care about in their events and so on. And so those would be sort of all the bullet points that we'll be focused on this year from a marketing and origination perspective. Sounds great. Sounds great. And and I really like the part where you said that you're going to be there where first-time homeowners are going to hang out, right? And, uh, you know, so as an extension to this question, you have a very wonderful community program called Apex in Action. If you can just talk a bit about some of the impact initiatives under this program, that would be great. Yeah, we have a, a core values block at Apex Home Loans, which so has the multiple core values on it. And one of them is that we are community driven. And that's not for marketing purposes. It's because I believe, as do my partners, that good corporate citizenship is, is critical. And we want to make a difference in the communities that we serve. Uh, people always say they want to buy local. So my feeling is want to buy local, start with us because we are uh, participating in these communities. We live there. We work there. We want to be a part of the community. And so we oftentimes get involved with local organizations to help. And, you know, a lot of the to your question, a lot of the first-time home buyers and the millennial generation often use the word impact. They want to have an impact where they work. They want to have an impact where they live. They want to have an impact on the world. They want to make a difference. And we respect and honor that, and we do too. So we get involved in supporting organizations that are important to us and to our customers. Um, we have something, uh, we uh, through our Apex in Action, we've done a couple things uh, recently. Uh, we started a Mortgages for Meals program, which helps support food insecurity in our area. Recently, a group of our uh, folks did uh, something called Babes Who Build, where they volunteered to work on a home through Habitat for Humanity. So things like that we encourage throughout our company and throughout our branches, both in, in the greater DC area and on the East Coast. And uh, a number of our folks have initiatives where they'll give a piece of the loan back to uh, charitable organizations, things like that. So I feel that's critically important that the community knows that you care. It can be a differentiator upfront. Sometimes people people say they care about it, but they don't really care about it when they're making the mortgage decision. They care about it after the fact when you've done their loan. So, uh, and that's just fine. It doesn't change the fact that it's critically important to be a good corporate citizen. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Craig, I would like to take your view on uh, trends in technology, right? 
obviously you are leading apex home loans from the front so uh, from your perspective what are some of the key business functions at apex home loans where you feel technology interventions can provide decisive competitive advantage yeah i talked about commoditization and mortgages up front and and obviously the goal is to get away from that and and have a relationship based type of sales organization that said a big piece of still trying to deliver a very competitive price is decreasing the cost of manufacturing and uh there are a lot of companies that have been very successful in doing this and they're doing it with technology and so investments in things like ai and robotics to help uh, sort of streamline and remove the friction in the process take care of repetitive tasks for sure ordering things reviewing documents optimal scans things like that of documents and 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 calling out potential issues these are things that don't not not wanting to decrease human resources but trying to make human resource time more efficient and up leveling the things that every individual is working on so for me certainly investments in that are an important part of apex and then two Uh, outsourcing as well uh, for deeper dives on pre-approvals and lead follow-up. So there's certainly a lot of opportunity there as well for outsourcing very specific tasks that can be trained to, to help sort of reduce the friction in the process, get a better pre-approval, which helps make a much cleaner loan go through. So those are two areas that we're focused on and are exploring more and more so. Wow, that sounds great. So as we head towards uh, the end of this particular episode I would like to ask you you know last few questions uh, which are of a personal in nature so uh, today's youngsters and millennials have a lot of choice in terms of careers so what would be your recommendation or advice for the young professionals who are just starting out their careers in the mortgage industry yeah you know it's an interesting question because the industry is very much graying i don't know the exact number but i believe the average loan originator in this country is now in their mid 50s and there's not a lot of new blood getting in people don't always have a great sense of the mortgage industry and the reputation is not always terrific quite honestly so a lot of people don't consider it a lot of young folks don't want to be in a commissioned based position which is how a lot of loan originators are compensated but i think there is a huge opportunity for young folks who want to get into particularly the mortgage origination side and my recommendation would be that they not just throw in on their own from day 1 but that they actually seek out and get teamed up with a veteran loan originator who might be in this you know mid 50 sort of range of the average in the industry work with them in sort of an apprenticeship mentality over a period of years and then you have a win-win situation where the the older originator can potentially exit and have some kind of a newitization of their book in exchange for some newer person coming in working the book and taking it over and getting the apprenticeship in the meantime so i think there's a huge win-win opportunity there and the truth is mortgage originators are compensated very well it's a wonderful career you have a lot of flexibility it touches on sales marketing accounting real estate so many things that are terrific and it's been a, a blessing for me to to have just sort of fallen into it in 1994 and i would certainly encourage other people that are want to look for a long-term career that gives them all those things i just laid out to to certainly take a look at a deep look at uh whether or not they should go into mortgage origination great so thank you so much i had an amazing time talking to you craig and i'm sure our listeners would have also learned a lot from our today's conversation on everything and i also hope you had a good time talking to us absolutely it's a pleasure speaking with you snot great thank you so much for all your amazing insights and your time today craig You've been extremely kind and patient and folks 
that's a wrap from our side until next time